0: Out the podcast for the 16th of January 2018. A podcast about the open Hadoop and ecosystem for anybody working with or investigating big data and advanced analytics. My name is Jon, and here's my co-host Dave. Hi Dave. Hello Jon. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing very well, and we're going to do some some interesting digging back into the uh, the past of time. Some interesting.
0: Archaeology, this episode, are not we? <laughs> yes, it's an archaeological uh, uh, episode. You used that word just to trick me up, didn't you? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, see, that's that's the English speaker trying to be bad to the non-English native speaker. That's just that's just that's just, just going the corner, go, go shame yourself. Uh, it's just like messing with you. Yeah. Anyway, this actually came from uh, a couple of weeks back when I was uh, well, scrounging around the internet for uh, articles for our Roaring News episode. And I found an article that was about five years old that kind of gave a summary of uh, Hadoop. It's actually titled 10 uh, Facts About Hadoop. It was a nice list and I just kind of read it just for fun. And, yeah, it was kind of interesting to see what has and hadn't changed since then. And since it was a nice 10-point roundup article, I proposed to Dave, and this maybe was a good idea on the podcast, just go over that and see how much, if at all, Hadoop has changed in five years' time. Because don't forget, Hadoop is 10 years old now. So you would expect major differences between 10 years ago and today. And this is only looking at five years ago uh, compared to today.
1: So and the the kind of curious thing is when when you proposed this yarn, I, I imme- my immediate thought was, oh god, it's going to be it's going to be like people in the Stone Age talking about flying cars, isn't it? It's going to be it's <laughs> going to be just a a complete um, disaster. Uh, you know, we're just going to just rip the article to shreds, and uh, and it's just going to be a complete. Carnage, but actually,
0: well, don't spoil you know, it, yet. As, as it yet. Don't as it, spoil it yet.
1: As it goes through, I think people are going to be somewhat surprised. So,
0: um, I don't know. Surprised? Maybe confirmation of their worst fears. That's uh, <laughs> you have to, listeners. You have to keep listening to the whole episode because I'll only give you summary at the end of the episode. There's no way around it.
1: Well, they could always fast forward.
0: Ah, don't give them any hints. <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right let's get to it then yeah let's let's let's, not let's, let's, let's alternate between us between each of the points so you go ahead you kick things off
0: oh that means you get the last one okay fair enough okay just uh for reference the uh, link of the article will be in the show notes uh it's up today i'm not sure how long it's gonna stay up there but there's always a the way back machine if you really want it so the title and url will be available in the show notes The first point on the little uh, article talks about import-export data to and from HDFS. And uh, we're not going to read the article aloud. If you want to follow along with us, pull it up and uh, read it and then listen to us talk about it. But what my impression here was, was it's a very poor age. Because it's all very much SQL-oriented. It's talking about hive and pig. So MapReduce and SQL. And in my recollection, the whole Hadoop thing was built for unstructured data, for for JSON and CSV. No, not CSV. CSV is structured, I guess, but JSON, XML, and that kind of stuff. Well, in this article, five years ago only, they're talking about Hive and Pig and uh, importing stuff from MySQL, SQL Server, MongoDB. Hey, MongoDB, that's no SQL. Okay, get corrected a little bit. But still, the only tool they give you for uh, ingesting your data is uh, Scoop
1: yeah yeah it, it it feels like this is one of the this is definitely one of the areas i think that feels quite quite dated um in the in the the phrases that they talk about the the sort of areas of their focus it just seems like uh this was this was back in a time when things were very very simple and i think this is probably one of the areas that even back then i don't think i don't think things were quite this clear cut
0: uh, I don't know. I mean, five years ago, if I look at myself, uh, that was two jobs ago. God. <laughs> 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 and I, I remember those days. That was still, it, it was pretty much Stone Age. Yeah. Because this just, and this also talks about importing to from HDFS, and uh, this kind of means that the Hive at those, in those days was reading directly from HDFS, which is true, I think, because ORC file it didn't exist yet at that point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I am, though, wondering why they haven't mentioned Flume and Kafka, because Flume, at least, I think was also available in those days.
1: Yeah, as I say, it seems to be very, uh, somewhat constrained in its uh, its focus here, I think. This is, but, is
0: it? Yeah, but that's also maybe a sign of the time then, because the whole... A database offload, having having SQL uh, available. I mean, before that, Hadoop was used for a log file uh, anal- analysis, if I can use the word, mm-hmm. but at least gathering, aggregating a little bit. But in the, as long as it was just doing that, it didn't really get a lot of limelight. When Hadoop became popular, it was because you had Hive and I guess Impala and the other um, uh, SQL things out there that allowed traditional... Big data ish people, call them DBAs for lack of another word, were able to start using this because there was something like Hive available, and in that, with that, with those glasses on, it makes sense that they're talking mostly about Hive and Scoop and SQL import export. Mm. or export. Uh, or did you have a different feeling? Maybe. On that? Yeah?
1: Well, I, I think you know if you look back at the the history and you know, Yahoo's analyzing the web and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You're right. See, you know, log was where it came from. SQL came on later, but still, the the core of the whole kind of log analytics side of things was very much, even back then, for, to my recollections, was still very much, you know, one of the main reasons why people were doing Hadoop back then. So, I think to to have missed it entirely, and as you have said earlier, to not have things like Flume in there, seems a bit seems a bit strange
0: because yeah, yeah. i know that the first job uh, if, for lack of a better word that i ran on our little well little big hadoop cluster <laughs> uh, in those days was actually the human genome uh, data all yeah. of the uh dna data that came in which was uh pretty much unstructured i mean yes yeah, sure there's always a structure in there but it definitely wasn't sql information it was uh it was xml if i remember correctly or something like that yeah so yeah. Uh, yeah. So well, things have changed a lot, of course, because import export these days. Uh, I don't think a lot of people use Scoop anymore. Because if you're using Scoop, then you probably have another kind of application that's built around something like Scoop, and you have your yeah. third-party applications having all kinds of ODBC connectivity that just allows you to not even import export, but just use virtual tables directly towards that thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, this this is this is an area that's changed. Mm. Massively import and export from, from Hadoop has, has come a very long
0: yeah. way. And we're going to talk about it later, but uh, events doesn't don't even figure in this at the moment. No. Uh, this no, this no, little this snippet is... doesn't even talk about anything that's yeah, event-based.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's save some of that for later. No,
0: yeah, I just wanted to mention it, because I know it's, it was a remark that Dave put in our little preparation sheet. So this I want, I want to steal some <laughs> So go ahead.
1: So the second point um, is data compression in HDFS. And I think this is an area that there has been some change. Um, and, you know, they talk about um, you know, data being compressed, you know, BZIP2, GZIP, LZO, um, and, you know, other compression algorithms have come along since then. Um, but I think for me the, the biggest change here is the fact that, um, you know, now we have so many Hadoop native file formats, things like ORC and Parquet and Avro, that um, also include compression within them. So back back then, back then, this is very much talking about: um, you put your file on HDFS, you zip it or compress it in some method, and then when you want to read the data out, you uncompress it to read it, and then you know discard the uncompressed version after you finish reading it or processing it or whatever. Um, It's sort of, it it feels like this is something that's just become much, much slicker in in modern Hadoop.
0: Yeah, because I do remember that having splittable compression was a major thing with MapReduce Mm -hmm. in those days, but it's been ages since I've actually even thought about using a compression algorithm somewhere. I guess it's also because storage has become even more cheap than it was back then. So just having the yeah. whole hassle of compressing stuff and maybe penalizing yourself in the future—well, forget it. Just store the data the way it is.
1: I think I think it's it's two things, isn't it? I think it's it's the fact that splittable compression is now just default. I mean, I I don't know anybody that doesn't apply compression to um, some form of compression to you know the data that they've got on the data lake. It just it's just something that people now I think take for granted.
0: Yeah, it's not something you have to stand still by anymore. It just uh, it's just in there. It happens in the background, and you get the benefit of it. Yeah, I do wonder though if it's always the case because I can imagine some new stuff doesn't have compression in it yet, and people just don't think about it anymore. But again, what would be the the money you save if you do spend time yeah. thinking on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, well, all
1: right. On the next.
0: Splitability. God, that's a long time ago. <laughs> Third point here is the transformations in Hadoop. And uh, one phrase I love here is, there are multiple methods to extract and transform. You have MapReduce, Hive, and Pig, uh, yeah. etc. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, again, it's it's all it's all high five. Is the big hero at uh, this day and a, in, in that day and age? And yeah, Pig is still in? The, do you still use Pig today? Do you know how many customers that Unless they have some legacy stuff that still have big scripts or developer. I, th- I
1: think I think that's it. I think the only people using Pig today are, are people that have have stuff that they built some time ago and just you know they're they're still grinding it away today. But I I see hardly anyone going and yeah. in, in using Pig. From scratch today.
0: Yeah, I mean nobody's using MapReduce anymore either. And uh, ding asterisk caveat, When I say ma- MapReduce, I mean the Java MapReduce library. I don't use the Map. I don't mean the MapReduce algorithm approach. That's everywhere. But the Java MapReduce library itself, once it got dumped out of Hive uh, with Tez replacing it, it really fell out of favor fast, didn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean again, the 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 only organizations using it are those that are using it. Very, very high scale that are sort of wedded to it, due to legacy.
0: Uh, but do you still see a lot of legacy that still uses MapReduce?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, if you you only need to look at the the Yahoo presentations from last year's DataWorks Summit, they've still got mm-hmm. masses of um, okay. Uh, of pure map produce going
0: on. I guess that's an advantage of me being in the in the cloud world. In the public cloud world, when people move to cloud, it's very recent. They have to move. Your world over. is much newer. <laughs> yeah, 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 It's also, also when you move from on premise to cloud or to hybrid, or whatever. It's a good time to make the change. Yeah, it's you have to change Let's rethink. Let's make this a bit more agile, a bit more modern, yeah. perhaps. So yeah, it might be yeah different for us. Even people as close as us, we have different things in the world. Isn't that great?
1: Very true.
0: Very true. Uh, did, uh, anything else so, in that? Not really, I not think. Not really. Not really. Although they do mention so, uh, a Python in there. So Python did exist in those days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even in big data.
1: Indeed. So the fourth one, though, is achieving common tasks. Now, I had to read this a couple of times because this didn't initially make a great deal of sense to me. But um essentially what it's talking about is, um, you know, there are a number of things that you'll need to do to your data. Um, and you can do these things um, using a wide variety of tools. Now, this is a little bit similar to the previous um, entry in that it says you can do these things in many different ways. For example, hive and pig and <laughs> reproduce. Um, yeah, anyone seeing a sort of a pattern emerging here. Um, but for me, this is another area that's really dated because, you know, in the modern big data environment, there are so many different ways you can achieve you know, ETL processing, for example, or um, data cleansing, or you know, going from you know third-party ISV products that that can link up into big data platforms or run on top of big data platforms to you know the huge variety of technologies that are now encompassed in the big data space.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the whole idea for Hadoop has been there's many ways of doing things. Pick your best uh, tool to do this, that specific job. And yep. yeah, the one pick
1: thing- the one you're most comfortable with, pick the one you have mm-hmm. people that understand it most you
0: okay. know. and just have good performance because uh, i think today yeah. it's more more true than before that using a different tool will really change how well your flow works how fast it is or how, how persistent it is how mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the the exactly once versus uh, don't lose anything uh choicing and so forth. Uh, that, all that stuff becomes really important here in, the, in those days hive big and map huh. there's not that much difference because hive is using MapReduce. And Pig was yeah. using MapReduce too, so it's just a different way of writing the same thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. At the back end, so. it was doing the same, the same, almost exactly the same code, to be honest. Because Hive had its had its first uh, optimizer in uh, SQL and stuff, but still, it was running all MapReduce. And of course, the, the big, the big glaring uh, thing missing here, of course, is Spark. Yeah. If you look at uh, Hadoop today. I mean, Spark has done a brilliant job on marketing and a brilliant job on software as well, because you have to admit, Spark and Flink, they do this stuff yep. very well. But uh, nobody even thinks about Hadoop without having immediately that little Spark logo in their mind as well. Yeah. And uh, just five years ago, Spark wasn't even being mentioned, and not even Flink, because I do remember that Flink was out there first, and then Spark stole the limelight from them. Uh, but even Flink, uh, in the whole article, to be honest, uh, neither Spark or Flink or any in-memory, let's say, was being mentioned at all. Now, it, it is true that in those days, memory was a lot more expensive than today. So in-memory stuff yeah, might have been just not financially feasible, because another one missing here is uh, any NoSQL thing. I know we just mentioned uh, MongoDB as an ingest uh, capability, as a source of your data, let's say. But uh, HBase uh, is almost not uh, mentioned at all in the article either. Yep. So, and again, HBase also using a lot of in-memory stuff, right? Still use a lot of disk as well, but uh, without a bit of memory, yeah, yeah, your HBase yeah. isn't going to perform that well. So, yeah, I guess the the whole way of doing things, the whole philosophy of Hadoop, is still is very present in, in those in this article from five years ago. But yeah. uh, the tool tool chest has been expanded so dramatically,
1: very much so,
0: and that's a good thing, I guess.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: It Although keeps us in business uh, yeah that's what i are going to say because sometimes people say too much choice means you need somebody to guide you through it and uh, that's all, all only muddies mud the water let's keep it simple <laughs> nah, yeah, never going to happen <laughs> uh, I'm next right? yep uh, next one is number 5 combining large data volumes um, yeah this little thing didn't tell me that much uh, I mean combining large volume data, I guess that's the whole data lake principle behind it The one thing that jumped out here is that they really went a bit out of their way to explain how MapReduce works, which means for me that in those days, MapReduce was still a big unknown thing, which is interesting, considering how old MapReduce, the algorithm, really is. That's the one thing I saw. And, uh, yeah, apart from that...
1: I mean, the other thing seemed to be... They they were talking about... Basically, when although the the subject was combining large-volume data... What they really seem to be talking about was joins. And relatively simple joins. So replicated joins, (laughs) merge joins, skew joins, and that sort of thing. And Hive having the power to do map-side joins and full (laughs) outer joins. Um, So not really combining large-volume data in the way that we think about it today, but really just joining data.
0: It really sounds like a a much gentler time, doesn't it? It does. It
1: does. (laughs) It sounds like... Sounds like some somewhere that would have been uh, very nice and easy to work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see some stuff, yeah. stuff missing in the next couple of points. So it yeah. wasn't. I do remember it wasn't a very nice time at all in big data, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> it may sound nice and fluffy now, but just wait till the razor blades come out later. <laughs> okay, so with that, uh, let's let's move on to point number six, which is ways to analyze high volume data. Um. This is this one's kind of strange because obviously, you know, they're clearly focused and for good reason. If you think sort of five years ago, they're focused on the fact that sometimes you know the problems themselves aren't complicated and the solutions are relatively straightforward, but the challenge is just the sheer volume of data, hence Hadoop. Um, but you know they're 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 now bringing in a few other uh, tools from the tool chest, as uh, Jan mentioned earlier. So we've got Giraffe here and Behoot um, for those archaeologists familiar with uh, such such technologies. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, that's perhaps a little bit cruel, yeah. but um, yeah, it's just it's interesting that just in in five years, some of these things have really fallen by the wayside. Um, and so you know, the the comment that they use is uh, you know, machine learning problems can be resolved using a giraffe framework instead of a MapReduce job. <laughs> um, I'll let Jan uh, comment on that because I'm sure he loved that, that well, particular phrase.
0: Uh, I can really see why they mean that because doing uh, anything uh, machine learning with MapReduce is just, yeah, killing yourself with a spoon because it yeah. hurts more if you haven't seen a movie. Yeah. Uh, it's a Robin Hood movie. <laughs> but uh, yeah, using Giraffe, I guess, yeah, if that's the only tool you have, that's what you have to use, right? But in those days, it's very clear that their big problem to solve was ingesting the data, getting the data in one place, having the, the data lake built the in the first the place. The ana- When we talk about analyzing a big data today, you're very quickly going to uh, machine learning, even artificial intelligence, neural networking. Uh, very soon, we'll be talking about OLAP cubing and things like that. Five years ago, forget it. The the problem to solve here, the anal- analysis is easy. You use Hive, a couple of joins, and have a, squ- a query out there. But how the hell do I get all this data here? How do I import it, ingest it, and make it presentable a little bit? And uh, yeah, a bit of uh, archaeology again because Giraffe. Uh, I honestly never worked with it, and I think it's still around. But
1: I think I, it is. I've never, I've never seen it I
0: used. I don't think it's the the, the it's a graph uh, database, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's even it's the, it's not the the preferred graph database anymore.
1: It's not all. one of the cool kids.
0: Unfortunately. No, 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 no. And Mahout is still around. You can still uh, load it, but they've kind of reinvented themselves. By the you things called a new project called Samsara, and they kind of rebuilt themselves as a. To to be built to be used on top of spark
1: yeah almost so, like a, a library of cool stuff yeah, for yeah, spark, yeah, basically. Yeah.
0: which is a bit strange because i know in those days mahout really was a, a cool kid on the block as you just said and it's fun well fun it's it's remarkable how they didn't uh i don't know go for the crown like uh, spark did because mm. they were in a position to really own that space at that point at that time
1: yeah i mean it's like all of these things and you know I, I couldn't be I couldn't be in this space if it wasn't um, if it wasn't open source I don't think because the that that's what seems to drive so much innovation here. <laughs> these things can literally just pop up out of nowhere yeah. and over the course of a few years you know, completely decimate their competition if they're caught napping and you, you just you very rarely see that in the proprietary space and yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it yeah. just makes it so interesting to work with
0: yeah, it's a lot less political and a lot more merit- meritocratic. Oh, God. It's a hard yeah. word. Meritocratic. You, you say it.
1: It's driven by meritocracy.
0: Ah, see, he can't say it either. He changed it. Meritocratic,
1: <laughs> I think, is the word you're looking
0: for. But. Yes, it was. Thank you. But uh, that, that, that's a good way to work. I mean, a lot of people say it's a democracy, a democracy but it isn't. Because no, it's, it's it doesn't matter if a lot of people are using it, if the interesting people aren't using it, if, the smart, people using it, if the smart people aren't using it, it's still going to stagnate. And yeah. if you have smart people looking at yeah, yeah. smart people looking at your project, that means your project will uh, take uh, take flight. Indeed. All right. Moving on. Uh yeah, number seven. Uh, I love the way that this was a problem then and I think it's still a problem today debugging in the Hadoop world
1: things really do never change
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay who out there has had a problem with their Hadoop platform something doesn't perform the way you expected it to and how easy was it to figure out how to to fix it
1: oh oh every single listener just put their (laughs) hand up Look, look at my face and see the complete lack of surprise.
0: <laughs> it's hard to look at your face through a voice chat, but no I know, problem. I, know, I can the imagine. story
1: of radio. <laughs> but, I mean, seriously, it, it, nothing, <laughs> nothing has changed here. This well, is uh, it has not changed really. a little. Oh, I mean, uh, come on! The, the, not, not in the way that this is talking about. This is talking about the fact, in my mind at least, that there are a number of different techniques you can use to debug things. Exactly the same as Dream today. Uh-huh. Um, for any sort of job failure, you need to have all the counters. Um, you need to have all of the, the <laughs> debug logs. Yeah, yeah, you need yeah. to be able to track what's failing. Like, none of that has changed.
0: Well, none of it. That's not entirely true, because uh, it's true, you still need all that information. But before, how do you get that information? You go, as I say, to every single node and start copying files and having fun with you them.
1: You wrote a bash script, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> if you were smart
0: about it. But usually, a bash script from last time didn't work anyway. You had to write a new bash script, so it was easier just to get the files down. But today, you do have more tools to get that information. You're right, you're right. If I have a problem in five years ago, I didn't even know if I had to look at my, if my, is my file system full? Is my y- uh, yarn didn't even exist at those days? Yarn didn't even exist then.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Interesting. Uh, we had yeah. no idea if it's an application or a framework or a OS problem. Today, through the uh, management tools you have, and I'm a bit running forward to point eight, to be honest here, but you do have more tools out there that give you a, Some kind of hints, it's going to be in this range, that range, and the tools themselves, uh, the error messaging coming out of Hive or out of Spark is a bit more, uh, let's call it uh, fully fledged than it was five years ago. So instead of just getting a full Java stack, which you still get today, still happens. (laughs) If you don't know Java, Java you're in trouble. Mm -mm. But you do have a lot more venues of actually getting information and figuring out where you should start looking. And there has been some work done to actually make debugging easier. And one example I can give you, and I'm putting my Microsoft hat on here, is that if you do HD inside on Azure, sorry for the publicity, it's just a fun thing. In Visual Studio, you can actually do remote debugging of your Stormbolts. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work totally brilliant it's not the same experience as debugging something locally i mean how could it be but it does try to give you more things and i know there are other things i've seen other ways of doing this other attempts at making this easier at least so it has changed a bit Yep. but it's still still a headache yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) and it's not going to go away soon i think and that's i think you just talked about the advantages of open source. i think it's one of the disadvantages of it because of things moving so fast new things coming up so fast yeah yeah. It's so hard to, to just be able to stand still a moment, look back and see stabilize if you can stabilize the code base. Yeah, organize this in yeah. some fashion to make this stuff easier. Because by the time you have something written and you have a bug in there, it's almost easier to just take the next project out there and rebuild it with the
1: next <laughs> thing that's <laughs> twice as
0: fast anyway. So But still, yeah, debugging the thing we all like to do, which is, I think the reason that both Dave and I are not, uh, are not developers. Yeah. We don't very, have to do Certainly
1: in. one of the many reasons I'm not a developer. <laughs> uh, anyway, moving on from not being a developer to, uh, talking about easy to control Hadoop system. And Jan hinted about this earlier a couple of times, actually, one of which when he was saying he remembers these times and they were definitely the bad old days. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I mean, Jan, I think has argued that that Spark is one of the things that's changed the most um, on the Hadoop landscape. I would probably argue a little bit, and I would say that I think this is what this is one of the things yeah, that's changed.
0: I agree. Um, when I say Spark, I mean on the application layer. But you're right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, th- this this article talks about, uh, as you might expect from the easy-to-control Hadoop system, it talks about the fact that environments need to be set up, maintained, and monitored. But it doesn't actually talk about any way to do that. And I don't know if any of you out there have uh, done the whole installing uh, Hadoop from scratch, um, a bit like the Linux from scratch experience, mm-hmm. but... Oh, Dear yeah. God, I mean, <laughs> this is just a whole load of pain, suffering, and misery.
0: I, it's a rite of passage. Everyone needs to have done this once.
1: Yeah, you once. can't call yourself then, a
0: real Hadoop expert if you haven't downloaded a source from Apache and started compiling. And then on the system
1: ever again. Um, but the the interesting thing is, right towards the end of this uh, this section, it talks about with the help of the Ganglia framework. <laughs> yeah. Um you can, yeah, monitor you can it. add monitoring and health you know, track the health of your nodes. Um and really that's just that's that's so not an easy to control Hadoop <laughs> system. If you look at what we've got today, things like uh Ambari making this whole process just point and click simple. You look at services like you know, as uh, you Jan was saying oh, like HD Insight, where it's literally sign up to a web page put in i don't know as maybe maybe you might do 20 different clicks and enter a couple of uh, a couple of paragraphs of text in various boxes yeah. to suge- select what you want and call uh, things things and add passwords
0: and even just in the normal open source right if you look at cloudbreak for instance
1: yeah 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 and then lo and behold somewhere between um, you know, 30 minutes and an hour later, you've got a fully built Hadoop environment with all the monitoring, all the configuration control, all the config management, just there mm. ready for you. Yeah, all uh, the log management, all the
0: performance. Uh, story, uh, not not just, just that, also the fact that it all comes with the package. Because to be honest, yeah. five years ago, my Hadoop system was totally hands-off installed in a couple of hours as well. But that meant I spent... I think, months, building Puppet Chef, CF Engine, whatever your log uh, configuration system is, to automate all this stuff. And then when it's running, oh, yeah, we want to have HBase now. That's the new thing. Let's download some code and start compiling that little piece extra anyway. But now it's just you you download that distribution out there, and that's another nice thing, actually. We have a choice of distribution these days. Yep. How long? How old is HortonWorks these days? <laughs> Are you older than five years? Point. Not quite this old. Because I know it took a while for the first distribution from HortonWorks to come out uh, in a, I would say usable, but I mean in a supported, complete package, finished. And Ambari wasn't even in there in the first release, I think. So no, before was, that, uh, all you had was the Cloudera distribution, it was basically. Something like that. It was called something like
1: the. Homework setup tool or something like that. Oh, it
0: didn't I didn't work. I know I think that homework
1: was probably <laughs> just about around at this the time this article went out. But yeah, yeah. yeah the the world has changed radically since then. Yeah.
0: And again, thanks to the whole competition between multiple parties trying to make yeah. it better than the other one, and that yeah, the acceleration that came from that. The moment that there were more people, the moment that this became popular, and more people were trying to develop for it, that's when all this magic started to happen very much but, so. but, but the, the, the thing that really impresses me most about this little section eight is that the writer is actually writing this without any kind of sarcasm he really thinks that five years ago with things like ganglia it was an easy to control system yeah that's i mean wow yeah <laughs> i understand why i mean i, I thought the same thing at those days
1: <laughs> yeah but it's just we've Oh, it's come so far, and I'm so glad yes. that I'm talking about Hadoop now rather than talking about Hadoop back then.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Today it's 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 software. Then it was alchemy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, let's move right. on to point
0: move nine. The penultimate, mul- penultimate, what? Uh, one, mm-hmm. sorry, uh, scalable persistence. Uh, that doesn't really mean anything to me, to be honest. But uh, looking at my notes I made... Oh, yeah, the one thing that I noticed in this little thing is that we have a another little uh, application we mentioned being Accumulo. And Accumulo, correct me if I'm wrong, that's the uh, older version of HBase, right? With Essentially, more, yeah. With a bit more security.
1: Yeah, it, it's the version it, It's the version of uh, NoSQL uh, solution that came out of the U.S. Department of Defense uh-huh. um or the Department of Defense, or the NSA. Anyway, it came yeah. came from the US um, Department of Defense through their technology release program, in the same way that NIFI did you know, several mm-hmm. years later. Um, but it was essentially it's essentially age based with some slightly different parameters, um, with built in security.
0: Yeah, that role based security enabled or something like that.
1: Yeah, but it was all very. Um, Mm-hmm. for the people that wanted to use it and i think it's still very much the case for the people that wanted to use it back then and are probably still using it today it doesn't it it never really got to um general adoption. HBase in my mm. mind really stole that uh, stole that movement.
0: I did always hear there was a difference between uh, uh, the ge- geography. In the US it had more traction than in Europe because of the S- government influence there that if you want to do work with the government, with big data, you had to use a because that was what was part of the name. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it was it was definitely sort of US defense, US public sector, mm. but outside of that, you know, mm. you wouldn't you wouldn't really see it anywhere.
0: It also was something that it was there. You had to use it, but it never really evolved into anything more than that. So, I mean, HBase, you can say what you want, but they have kept up a little bit. I mean, yep, it's still being developed. So. It's changing. It's got added features. Pace of
1: in HBase is really, yeah. really good. And if it, if you look at um, the way that HBase is integrated now, you know, you can see it within. Uh, you know, it's been in managed by Ambari and deployable by Ambari for a very long time. Um if you look at you know its integration now with security with Ranger has been there for quite some time now. So all that sort of stuff is just uh yeah. The innovation's very much on the age base side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, but yes, scalable persistence.
0: Yeah, one well, little thing I noticed in that little part is that they mentioned drift. I didn't know thrift was wrong along that uh, was around that long ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's still being used today. Yep. Still a very useful little glue bit you can push between a lot stuff
1: yep moving on all right moving on to the 10th and final point um, data read and write in hadoop and i mean not really a great deal has changed here the primary sort of uh, storage platform still tends to be hdfs that's you know changing over time with more and more use of uh, native cloud storage platforms <laughs> and things like that and uh, of course you've got you know, other platforms like IBM Spectrum Scale storage and uh, EMC's Isilon and things like that but you know the, the majority of Hadoop environments are still very HDFS focused yeah, and all the other
0: ones also are using the web HDFS protocol a lot of the time so it's yeah, yeah, that's still basis. HDFS basically right
1: yeah yeah and and so you know this is Sort of really just a, a comment that it's optimized for you know, streaming uh, reads of large files, uh, and you know it favors I/O throughput over sort of low latency. And mm. really, uh, no, nothing, nothing sp- spectacular has changed in in my mind in this space.
0: Yeah, but HDFS is also that's how it's built. I mean, that's what it's built for, and changing that would be yeah, it would no longer be HDFS at that point. Yep. And, of course, we, ha- we are seeing some new um, initiatives starting. You have uh, Cloudera a couple of months ago, a little than a year ago, that launched Kudu, which yep. is their attempt at uh, changing that uh, latency to, uh, IO throughput um, priority, let's say. And in our previous episode, we actually talked about what uh, they were talking about on Hadoop 3.2, where they had something called Ozone, which would also be a different way of having key value, Uh, I guess, a bit more high latency, uh, uh, sorry, low latency uh, uh, IO storage layers in there. So yeah, yeah, today, still very similar, but it does look like things are going to be changing in the next five years, at least. Yeah yeah very much so
1: so i mean that's the that's the 10 points i think we've talked a little bit about our our highlights along the way but let's just let's just come up with sort of a a brief summary of the the things that surprised and delighted us as we were running through this um go for it I know, um, I know you've got you've got a big one that you want to talk about.
0: Uh, yeah, well, for me, it's just Spark. I mean, five years ago, well, even less than that, because the article is a bit more recent than five years. Even Spark was nowhere to be seen at all, and that's yep. totally amazing because in my and I'm sure in the the, the public mind, Spark is like been here forever, right? It's so. It, Ever present, so ever, it's everywhere. Everybody, first thing you think about is Spark, and the main use cases look at uh, do big data, advanced analytics, and even that's a change. Big data that has been that has changed, evolved into advanced analytics these days. We're not talking about big data anymore; we're talking about advanced analytics. Still the same thing, but basically you're talking machine learning today. And, yep. yep, storing a lot of data, having a data lake in there, still a big part of it, but that's just a means to an end, and the end is using Spark with machine learning. And, sure, we can do some Hive in there as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think, for me, um, what was kind of sort of quite clear here is that the majority of the focus back then was batch. Yeah. Um, if you look at where we are now, you know, we've had true interactive workloads for some time. Um, Real-time and streaming workloads are starting to become a lot more commonplace. Um, and, you know, back then there was there was nothing but batch. I think that's been one of the sort of one of the fairly significant changes from my mind,
0: the, the sort of the rise of this multiple workloads yeah. yeah, but that's also because there was there was no yarn in those days either, so it was yeah, all yeah. a single single job, let's say, single workload cluster in batch, and yeah, I'd say that Hive, even in those days, you might consider a little bit as interactive because you have a person behind a keyboard, with a CLI, you know, command line interface, and interact. But they ran a it. command
1: and then they went and got coffee.
0: That's, yeah, the good old me, days.
1: That's not that's not <laughs> <laughs> It's very very slow, interactive. Yeah, yeah,
0: micro yeah, yeah, batch.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway,
0: and, okay. and of course, go man, ahead. Now, that the other one. You had another good point there. So go ahead.
1: So, I think you know the other thing that I would say is if you look at um, where things have gone with deployment, um, you know the automation that's there, the ease of deploying Hadoop today is can be literally a handful of clicks and some text in a few boxes and away you go. Then on top of that, you know, role-based access control is, it's just everywhere. It, you know, you wouldn't deploy it without it. Mm-hmm. You've got governance with things like Atlas, mm-hmm. you know, across um, the whole platform. Um, you've got, you know, full identity management tied in as well. You've got things like Kerberos. Um, it just, it's a true. Back then, it was a, a sort of a, a, a geek's playpen. Today, yeah. it's a full enterprise yeah. ready solution.
0: Yeah, that's, a, that's a big one. Not having Kerberos mentioned in the article at all, that makes me believe that, yeah, Kerberos was not even on the, the radar at that time. Yeah. And that does. I, mean, I, I do remember we're talking about it and people were looking, working with it, but. Yeah, Kubernetes is not the easiest thing to work with, and if you have a well they can call it easy to manage, but I wouldn't environment and you have to add Kerberos another as well by yourself manually, I don't think anybody really went for that, and these clusters yeah. just went into a private network, no public yeah. access, and just yeah. fenced it off, nobody gets on it unless you really have to yeah, yeah, yeah. very mm-hmm. much so. Uh, anything else? Well, I got uh, a couple of things, perhaps. But uh, as you mentioned, with the batch uh, only batch and no interactive, we also talked about early before, earlier I think no event processing, so no IoT, mm. no uh, no NIFi things, nothing like that. So that's yeah. also a big difference, right? Volume was only uh, a measure of size and not a measure of of, of number of events per second. Yeah. That's also a big change and. Yeah, to be honest, without anything like Storm or Spark, there was no way of doing these things. Yeah, very true. So basically, you just stored all your events in a database, and once it was there, you pull it over its Scoop into Hive.
1: I think the other thing that is kind of interesting is, and, may, may, well, I think it's interesting. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But <laughs> this article is very focused on the tech and mm-hmm. this is this is one of the things that I think echoes the big data space, you know, five years ago. Yeah. Whereas now people talking about big data are hopefully and very regularly talking about the business case, they're yeah. talking about the use case, they're talking about, you know, they're far more focusing on their their ROI or, you know, what they're gonna do to make money using the platforms. And there's far less of a focus on the underlying technology?
0: Uh, I would I it a little bit because yeah. I do think that five years ago we were also talking about use cases, but the use cases were a lot more simple. And so they were mm. tied very, very, a lot more closely to the, the underlying technology because yeah. nobody set up a cluster to run Scoop. No, they ran a cluster to get data off it into another uh, area to the beginning of a data yeah. lake and that used Scoop and Hive. But you didn't have any choices there. If you wanted to do that, it was coop and hive. So basically, the technology was the use case.
1: Yep. yeah.
0: Today, yeah, I want to do, uh, I don't know, uh, directed advertising. Okay, I can give you five out of my just like this five different ways of doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there is basically you have to have your 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 business case set up. Okay, this is what my investment should be. This is what my uh, KPIs will be. Okay, which of the technologies we'll we use? Well, we'll see that later. Let's just draw out what we want to do, have the architecture in place on a higher level, and then we'll fill in the, the the slots. We know that there's technology that's going to do this stuff. we have we know it's around, we know we'll find stuff to do the event movement and the copying and whatever and the analytics. Let's just focus on what we want to do and when do we decide this is going to be successful? Yeah, yeah, definitely. indeed. Yeah, one last thing maybe to add is that uh, the big thing today is uh, OLAP cubing on Hive, and even though this article was very specifically focusing on structured data on Hive and things like that, OLAP wasn't even in the picture at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much so. I, mean, I, I, if, I think if you told five years ago you told somebody you were going to do OLAP cubing on uh, Hadoop one day, uh, they would have laughed you out of the room.
1: Uh, I think that's a pretty safe <laughs> assumption. <laughs>
0: and I think a lot of people, if they'd known then what they've known now, they would have maybe made some different choices, and I'm talking about other vendors out there.
1: Indeed. And on that note...
0: (laughs) Uh, Nah, one more thing I want to add. That's a fun thing as well, the resources, uh, because it's a good article from that point of view. It actually uh, has one, two, three, four, five resource links there. And the interesting there is that Uh, No LinkedIn, no Facebook, no Twitter. The only ones mentioned here are Apache Hadoop, of course. Mm. IBM and Yahoo. Yep. And Yahoo, yeah, makes sense. They're the ones that actually made this Hadoop thing, or at least published uh, the Hadoop uh, distribution idea, let's say. But having IBM in there, I didn't expect that.
1: Well, I mean, IBM have been... Mm -hmm. Dabbling in this space for quite some time, yeah, they? obviously. So, guess, uh, yeah, it's it's just it's very much the the state of things. They you have to have a a, a big traditional software vendor linked in into those kind of uh, comments back then. Otherwise, it couldn't be taken seriously.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Good point. Good point. Although I do wonder if IBM actually contributed much at that stage because I know they have drank the open source Kool-Aid now so they are being uh, nice and developing and committing back five years ago I can't say IBM Big was on my open source oh, radar at all
1: Big Insights was I think Big Insights was around actually then
0: I have no idea
1: I think so, I think I mean it might have been in very early days for it but yeah I'm pretty sure Big Insights was around <laughs> that sort of time so that, yeah, from that point of view it makes sense but yeah, interesting uh, stroll down memory lane there.
0: Yeah, you just—you uh, stole my phrase. I was going to say that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, the power of mind control. No, just so, being around to uh, each other too long. <laughs> well, that too.
0: Um, anything else from you? Uh, no, the thing is, it's fun to read the views from people from five years ago. And it's only five years ago. It's not that long, to be honest.
1: Yeah. But, uh, so much has just changed. Such a lot has changed.
0: And, uh, but, you know, wondering what's going in the same every in single way,
1: the, the things that have changed, I think, have changed for the better.
0: Um, it's a broad statement. Let's see if I agree with that. Mm, you know you do, yeah, you. I have to agree with that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and with that, uh, with, with the bombshell of Jon uh, agreeing with me, that's about that all works. the time we have for today hope you enjoyed this serving of bite-sized big data we'll be back next week with a brand new episode until then please go to www.roaringelephant.org where you can find more information including a feedback form you can also follow us on twitter using the at hadoopcast tag and contact us by email podcast at roaringelephant.org with any thoughts comments criticisms and other feedback until then my name is
0: dave and my name is we look forward to talking to you next week see you then